Welcome to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. Camp Radio, discussing trends and issues that will encourage ministries and churches in their efforts to impact people for Christ. To learn more about TN Baptist Camps, visit us at tnbaptistcamps.org. Now, today's Camp Radio. I'd like to thank you for joining us. My name is Kevin Pierce, and I will be your host. Today, we'll be discussing how family ministry can make a positive impact in youth ministry. We have with us today Dr. Jason Salyer. He is the associate pastor to students at East Maryville Baptist Church in Maryville, Tennessee. Jason, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Well, Jason, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I've served in local church ministry for roughly 18 years now. I became a follower of Christ myself uh, when I was age 15 and uh, began in local church ministry just a short time later, uh, just planning things for the student ministry, the church where I attended. And um, then the Lord just continued to blossom that into, I believe, a, a calling to help equip students and equip families for a lifetime following Christ. And um, of course, the best part of my life is uh, my wife and family. My wife, Bethany, and I have been married 17 years, and we have three children, Kate and Chloe and Isaac, uh, ages 10, 8, and 7. Awesome. Tell me a little bit about uh, your ministry and what you do at East Maryville. Yeah, so uh, being able to serve in a local church setting now for uh, almost nine years, and one of the greatest privileges of that is just being able to see a group come in and graduate and repeating that multiple times. Uh, but we have a philosophy that uh, I guess we'll get into today that really drives how we do what we do and a mindset of, I, I say we don't create uh, rock star youth leaders. I, I'm not a Pied Piper. I'm not a person who is going to uh, just naturally draw this crowd. My goal and my job and calling as I see it is to equip the saints in the local church, equip moms and dads, equip teenagers as part of this larger family of faith. And uh, we've been able to see that blossom over the course of the last decade. Well, now tell me, uh, we're going to get into talking a little bit more about specifics that you do, but tell me if you, just basically what you see trending uh, yeah. in youth in their lives today and, and uh, what they're struggling with. I think there's a, a multitude of things that they are struggling with uh, when it comes to the pressures of the culture around them and the challenges that they're facing. Often people will have to have a, a sense of comparison. And so I like to tell other adults in the church, look, it's not that the temptations have changed radically, but the form in which those temptations come at both the teenager and their families and the, the, the frequency of which they're inundated hmm. with those challenges has risen sharply. Yeah. At the same time, I believe their sense of safety, their sense of support has gradually eroded. And so when you combine those two things together, you see the sense of uh, panic and the sense of desperation. Hmm. Uh, you know, they're saying that depression, anxiety, uh, all of those things are on the rise. Uh, and it is regardless of their necessarily their age demographic, uh, their ethnicity, where they live, all of those things uh, continue to pull at them. But their needs, I believe, ultimately their greatest need has, has remained the same. Right. 
Now, tell us a little bit about, more about your emphasis. I know you you are spending more time in family ministry of impacting the youth's lives. So how are you doing that at East Maryville? Yeah, so uh, one of the things that I would comment on to connect these two together is that you know the greatest need that uh, any teenager has is to know Jesus Christ, to have a personal relationship with Christ, and to let that drive them in terms of their identity and their direction. So many of the issues that we see with teenagers today come down to those two fundamental issues. Who am I? And what am I going to do? So when a child is entering those teenage years, they're going to be asking, who am I? As they get a little bit older and transition out of the home, especially, they're going to be asking, what do I do? So identity and direction, as I would call them, those need to be rooted in Christ. And so our goal is to equip uh, a student from the time that they enter into even our children's ministry all the way through uh, the ministry to middle school, high school, in college, we say cradle through college, that we are coming alongside them for each of these big moments and transitions and helping them to understand what does it look like to follow Christ now? And what does it look like to follow Christ in these next steps? To do that, we need more than just one person. We need multiple people, multiple relationships with significant adults in their lives, uh, mom and dad primarily, But we also need to foster relationships with the body of Christ, with Sunday school teachers, senior adults, other people in the church that can act as spiritual family to that young person and help them during those formative years. You know, it's funny that church members do not realize the impact they have on the children of the church. Absolutely. Even senior adults don't realize that they, just because their interaction with them, Kids remember that. That's exactly right. Yeah. I often tell our teenagers that um, you know our our senior adults and the adults in the congregation are often more intimidated by them mm-hmm. uh, than vice versa. They're they're so far apart culturally in what they experienced, but at the end of the day, they have the same calling and they have the same needs, and we have far more in common than we have separating us that the idea of the generational gap i believe is bridged the same way that anything else was bridged in the new testament that is by faith in christ right and so uh whether that's a, a senior adult class or uh people that are removed in their social context away from teenagers it's important that they realize that youth ministry mm-hmm. student ministry family ministry is something that every single person in the church is called to it's going to look different for each of them but there's some really practical ways that they can all invest. Right. Well, tell us a little bit more about how you began to develop this uh, uh, family ministry. Yeah. So one thing I would say to people that are listening that may say, you know, I, I like this. I like the idea of, of equipping families, but I'm not really sure where to begin. I would be quick to caution them to say, look, we're not asking you to add a new program. We're not asking you to come up with a another meeting time during the week. Mm. What we're talking about here is really a philosophy. Mm. And it comes down to more the mindset of the the student leader, the ministry team that works with teenagers, and having that carry over to first parents and then the rest of the church And it really comes down to integrating this mindset into everything that you're already doing. Now, that may change some things that you're doing, but more often than not, it's going to mean asking questions like, we're doing this D-Now event in a couple of weeks. 
how do I bring mom and dad into that process mm-hmm. and help them to have buy into this, not just drop off my kid and then pick them up a couple of days later, but how can I bring them along for the ride and help them to invest in their kids spiritually? So look at what you're already doing, find ways to invest both with parents and with other adults in the church, and then go the next step and reach the hand out the other direction and try to equip them with ways to engage these students, uh, ways to invest in them spiritually, emotionally, with support and encouragement, and give them ways, uh, easy wins, uh, to be able to come alongside their kids and uh, the teenagers in the church. One way, a practical way that you can do that to um, see the church in, in terms of family ministry is through prayer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I believe it's the, the number one way, it's the easiest way. You take that stereotypical generation gap, say between a senior adult and a, a teenager, a teenage boy, say 16 years old, that's had kind of a hard life. You put that boy in front of the church and say, well, who wants to mentor this young man? They may see a tattoo or a piercing, or they may see uh, some evidence of some of the challenges that he may have faced in his life. Well, very few people are going to come running up to sign up to do that. But you say, well, who can pray for this young man? Well, and and it's not just praying generally, but it's praying specifically. So one thing we did was uh, assigning specific prayer champions Hmm. to specific adults, uh, between adults and students within the church body. And you and I both know what happens when you start praying for someone every day. What happens? Your heart changes. Your heart goes out for them. It's no coincidence that those very same people started sponsoring them for trips and those same people started showing up with cookies and brownies at the next event and right. things like that because they have buy-in because they've already been praying for them. Right. Some families have this misconception that the church are the ones who train my children. That's right. But that, that, that's not really true. It's really up to the parents, right? That's right. Yeah, so I, I jokingly call the, the old model dry clean parents that we drop our kids off dirty and pick them up clean. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was honestly the model for roughly 50 to 60 years in youth ministry. The predominant model was we're the experts. Drop your kids off. Yeah. We will train them. We will equip them. We will do all those things in your place. And it really came out of, um, without going into all the history of it, but it came out of a sincere heart and an attempt to do good for families. Uh, But it ended up being a misfire and a misdirection, I believe, that that we've been paying for ever since. Parents will see, for example, if I want my kid to play piano, I'm going to take them to a piano teacher. Uh, If I want them to throw a tighter spiral, it's a a football quarterback, I want to take them and get them special instruction. Mm-hmm. If I want them to grow spiritually, there's a youth pastor, right. there's a Sunday school teacher. Mm-hmm. But the Bible actually has a completely different design and model for what that relationship is supposed to look like. Places like Deuteronomy 6, Psalm 78, uh, for example, will speak to the primary calling of shaping the faith of the next generation first comes to mom and dad Mm -hmm. mom and dad that this is your calling this is your primary calling as a follower of christ is to invest in the next generation specifically your own sons and daughters in addition to that the church is given that calling Uh, psalm 78 uh, and and even deuteronomy 6 that the the passage of the shema is given to parents in the context of a faith community 
to where parents weren't left to figure this out for themselves. So I like to say it this way, the primary discipler of the teenagers that are in your ministry are mom and dad. Mm. The primary equipper of mom and dad is the local church. So if we can get the order right on those two things, then I think we're in business and we're able to see great commission discipleship take place. Right. Of course, there's the other side of that is that we you're trying to give these resources to these families, but then you have the families that really their their struggle is their own personal relationship with God. That's right. And, and how's that impact? That's right. All this. Well, it really comes down to the heart, and we've got to understand the heart when it comes to the teenager and the heart of the parent. Um, the three most common excuses that parents will give for not equipping their sons and their daughters and their faith is uh, telling, training, and time. This comes from uh, Timothy Paul Jones' book, Family Ministry Field Guide. But in his research, he found that a percentage of parents say, I didn't know. And once you tell them, then they know, uh, but they're not necessarily doing anything. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're seeing roughly 10% doing something. Training, meaning that I do know and I would like to do something, I don't know how. Uh, it's that mom or that dad that sits down with an open Bible in their lap and their kids gathered around them. They don't know what happens next. And they come by it honestly because their parents did not do that for them and model that for them. We're now seeing that in multiple generations. Same problem you have in the Old Testament of one generation rising up that didn't know the the teaching of the Lord and didn't know uh, the faith that had been handed down. And then the final thing is time. Um, There's a lot made of the challenge of travel ball, the challenge of less consistent attendance from parents and families. But I like to go back to an old adage. I don't remember who said it, but someone once said, for the things that we don't want to do, we make excuses. For the things we do want to do, we make time. So what does that look like for moms and dads? It means that their heart is transformed when they see Christ for who he is, when they understand that they were made by Jesus, they were made for Jesus. And when Christ is supreme in their walk, in their life, it's going to be a natural spillover effect for them to share that in the context of their home. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to have to twist arms to get dads, for example, to be reading a Bible when their kids come down the stairs in the morning and right. they're getting ready to go off to school. If that dad loves Jesus, mm-hmm. then he's going to be wanting to get into God's word. And so we're just going to be simply equipping them with resources and ways to translate that and have those conversations with their kids. But we do have to aim for the heart. Uh, the other part of that, I believe, is that we must motivate them based on grace and not guilt. Mm-hmm. So often in local church ministry, and I've been guilty of it myself uh, in years past especially, is we will tend to uh, beat parents over the head a little bit. And parents are stressed. Yeah. They are incredibly stressed. Right. And when they hear all of these messages around them about how they don't measure up, mm-hmm. how they feel like they're not as good as the parent you know, across the street, and then they get to the church and they hear yet another message of, you don't measure up, I'm convinced that a parent that's motivated by guilt will be very effective at a parenting in a godly way for maybe 48 hours. And after that, they're going to slip back into those same routines. But if we motivate them from grace, target the heart, motivate by grace, and then equip them uh, with great commission resources, we're going to be able to see, uh, I believe, a change in not only the way that they see their own walk with Christ, 
but they're going to understand, look, it doesn't have to look the same for me Mm -hmm. as it does that family across the pew from me in the church or that neighbor that's uh, across the street from me. My family, my situation is unique, but the goal is still the same. Make disciples of the next generation, leverage their lives, leverage your family so that all people might know him. Right. Well, and I know that that is a struggle with parents, with sports especially. It, it, uh, sports drives mm-hmm. uh, a lot of our uh, kids there. In, and and used to, we only had uh, sports on during the week, not on weekends, and not in the summer. That's right. But now it's uh, every day. Yeah. And that does interfere with uh, a church, That's right. too. Yeah. And not that you be, need to be at church at every every single day, but when that becomes a bigger priority, it's a problem. That's right. And we lose our focus as a family that God calls parents to be parents. That's right. That's right. And it's easy to have priorities given to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like with our teenagers, uh, our parents face that same temptation to have an identity and a direction handed to them. And in order to be a successful parent, you need to provide these certain things and these certain experience and have this kind of well-rounded student. I I saw a a caption on a picture just the other day and I saved it uh, in my phone, but it was talking about the percentage of children who enter a youth sports program that end up making it to professional, you know, be a professional athlete Mm -hmm. at whatever level. And it's astronomical. I mean, as you can imagine by the sheer percentages, uh, but at the bottom of it, it made another statement that is very true and said, but we also know that 100% of our children will stand before Jesus one day. Exactly. And not only them, but we ourselves will. Yes. And so if we parent with that being our understanding of reality, uh, it's going to shape all of those other things. Uh, and, and we're not going to be driven by a, uh, a misshapen series of priorities. And, and in fact, I believe we'll start to schedule the right priorities. Mm. We, we talk all the time about prioritizing our schedule. Yeah. I don't think it works that way. I think you, your schedule is going to happen to you if you don't take command of it right. by scheduling your priorities and being willing to say no to some things as parents. Right. Well, tell us a little bit more about some practical things that maybe our listeners may uh, need to hear to, if they want to start doing more of an emphasis in family ministry to impact their youth, what's some practical step-by-step things they can start? Right. So I mentioned prayer, and I believe that that is the first thing that anyone in any context, as far as something that you organize, and I mentioned mindset being that you are looking at all the things that you're already doing and finding ways to incorporate other adults and other parents in the church uh, in the disciple-making process. Some ways that that can uh, play out in, in any church is, let's say you do a mission trip. We often will plan that camp or that mission trip. Well, I need adult volunteers or chaperones. And in most you know camps and, and conferences, they'll have a ratio there for children and for teenagers that if you bring, say, five teenagers, you need to have an adult. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is we want to make sure that little Johnny doesn't run off in the woods and yeah. get himself in trouble. I say, let's, let's flip that. Let, let's start thinking of it in terms of uh, not necessarily on retreats or, or mission trips, but in, in week-to-week life in the local congregation. For any teenager, can you name five adults that are able to engage in their life? Mm-hmm. Five adults that we're not talking about spending a day of the week with them or showing it up at every single ball game they play. 
I'm talking they know their name. Mm -hmm. They recognize if they're not there on any given Sunday. They engage them with a, a handshake, a pat on the back, or a hug, depending on how well they know them. But they're investing in them. And so the, the role of the, the student ministry leader, whatever their, their title is in the church, they're to be kind of like that spider making those webs of relationships within the church. Mm -hmm. So you look at what your church is doing. Uh, if you have a ministry to the Pregnancy Resource Center, so you've got some ladies that go down every weekend and they, they take supplies and baby bottles and they go pray over uh, that ministry. Put some teenagers in the car with them that and help them develop a heart for that. If it's a mom, go to that mom and say, you know, you've got a teenage daughter that you can foster a heart for the sanctity of life in by taking her along for the ride as well. Right. So again, it's I, I would start very, very practically with where you are and, and rather than adding anything to what you're doing. And then I think the next step is, again, reaching the, the other handout to equip these families and equip these parents uh, with resources uh, to help them make disciples in, in their homes and to be spiritual leaders in their homes. And there's a multitude of resources that are out there. I, I believe we're actually at an exciting time as far as the number of resources that are out there, and maybe even in the, the notes for this program, uh, our church website, I'll be glad for anyone to take a look at that. There are resources that we have developed uh, that any church can use, and uh, they can adapt them for their particular ministry. But things that, uh, from parent emails to ongoing text to uh, helping parents you know, with prayer prompts for their kids, just finding things that they can take with them on the go as they go to soccer practice, as they go to band practice, all of those things, meeting them where they are. I think that's where the money is as far as that sweet spot of ministry. I believe we've done a, a good job primarily of creating programming and investing in that one to three hours that they have within the walls of our church. What I would look at and, and investing in is researching and finding resources that are going to help moms and dads be spiritual leaders at the home. Yeah. Well, now, now if they want to take the next step, which may be developing some sort of, I mean, you're talking about some other programs, things they families can interact with, uh, like a teaching moment. Yes. Uh, but what if they go begin, want to develop a retreat, like mm -hmm. a family retreat? Uh, what would that look like, and how would that impact a church? Right. So and that's a great question. That's one of the things that we're exploring in our own ministry, because for several years now, we've, we've run programs and we've run parent conferences and things on campus, uh, typically trying to arrange it where parents are already there. So we'll ask them to stay after Sunday morning worship for a luncheon, or we'll keep them on uh, a Saturday for a special event and training. But we started having the conversation recently, as mobile as families are, and the fact that so many of them come and go so frequently from these events that they're not really getting the whole uh, piece of the puzzle. They're, they're only getting fragments of it, that there's value in stepping out of that rhythm and out of that routine of daily life and helping parents find a, a memory-making moment or a milestone moment with their kids. So really, it comes down to two things. On one end, we're saying create rhythm. You know, find rhythm to pray with your kids daily, to read scripture with your family daily, to do all of these things. But at the other side of my mouth, I'm saying, 
like sometimes you've got to disrupt that rhythm mm-hmm. because you get into so much of a routine as a parent that you just kind of go through the motion. Even church can be going through the motions. Right. And so for us, what that looks like, I think, is just pulling away from the the day-to-day life and setting aside some time to create an experience. Uh, and, and when I say create an experience, I'm not talking about creating this once-in-a-lifetime experience that cannot be replicated in the home. I would think more along the lines of giving parents and families a time to engage one another, either free or with uh, free of or with limited access to technology, mm-hmm. uh, free of and with limited access to outside pressures of their jobs, of uh, sports and things like that. Uh, if I'm honest with you, I do hear parents complain about their teenagers staring at their phone and yeah. staring at their iPad. But I honestly hear far more teenagers mm-hmm. complaining that mom and dad are more focused on what's going on on their iPhones yeah. and their iPads and all and their TV screens than what's going on in that teenager's life. Right. So first thing we have to do is be honest. Yeah. Uh, and then we realize that there's value in disrupting that rhythm and finding ways to equip parents outside of that normal rhythm of life. One suggestion I would have and something that I'm currently trying to develop is the idea of uh, creating a retreat atmosphere or a step away from the rhythm of life where they are able to do two things. Number one, they invest relationally with one another. Mm -hmm. You're just doubling down, putting all the cards on the table saying we want to foster heart connections between parents and their teenagers because we realize that due to the stress of parenting, due to the challenges that come with the teenage years, that's often fractured. And so again, all of the resources we can come up with, all of the ideas of how to help families love and serve Jesus together will not be used and will not be effective unless there's a relationship Mm -hmm. by which to communicate that from student to parent and parent to student. So much like a marriage retreat, much of what's going on on a marriage retreat is not telling a married couple how to be married, mm-hmm. it's reminding them of why they got married to begin with. Right. And it's reminding them of those same basic gospel truths. I think we're doing something similar with families yeah. in that we're reminding them of you know, what it was like to bring that child home from the hospital. Mm-hmm. We're looking forward to the day that they leave that nest and transition, but we're creating a memory that I would hope you can create some kind of experience and memory for them relationally that when they are at your Thanksgiving or Christmas table 20 years from now, they talk about the good old days. And I want them to say, you know, I remember that one time that we just kind of hit pause. Right. And I remember maybe it was because something big was going on in their lives. Maybe it's just because mom and dad were intentional. But they took time and they showed that their their own family mattered and was a priority to them mm. by hitting the pause button, stepping away from everything, and just doubling down investing relationally in their kids that would be the number one thing the second thing that i'm trying to explore is coming up with one easy win that is reproducible when they go back home for example family devotions so if you were to come to a retreat center or a camp something where you are again out of the rhythm of day-to-day life and you sit down with mom and dad maybe you recreate a living room with a couch and a lamp and things like that. And you sit down and you just model for that family because again, they've not seen it in many cases, let alone, or many of them are not doing it. But if you can model for them, this is kind of what a family devotion would look like. 
it's going to break all the stereotypes for starters. Mm. But they've been given this great privilege of having focused attention on doing that and then practicing it yeah. before they go home. They can meet several times. I'm convinced that might be the best starting point. Um, right. There may be others for other churches, but that's where we're trying to move uh, the ball forward next is the idea of family devotions. I'm convinced most moms and dads, when you talk to them about family devotions, they're trying to figure out where they fit the pulpit, where the choir is going to stand yeah. when they do that. Yeah. Because it's it's church for the family, yes. But again, it doesn't have to look the same for every family. The goal is the same. It's communicating God's words, communicating in that relationship. But God has gifted moms and dads to do that in a way that is unique and separate completely from every other person that interacts with that teenager. So rather than trying to forge a new relationship, we're investing that relationship that's already there. So being away from home, being away from those routines, again, invest relationally and find one thing that you can do to equip that family that is reproducible when they get home. Right. And I could see trying to actually do a retreat uh, to be away overnight or even two nights would be very challenging. Yes. But what you're trying to teach them is that it's important. There's a commitment. Yes. You you have a responsibility as a parent. So this is a priority which you need to take time away. And, of course, I also see that this potential retreat or getaway that you would have could potentially have a lot of people, but you'll end up with a small group probably. That's right. But it's going to be a strong core group. That's right. right? So be willing to start small is what I would say. Uh, If you only get a handful of families, a small percentage in your church, don't fret that. In fact, I would often see that as a blessing Mm -hmm. uh, because like a rudder on a ship, it doesn't take a very large percentage to change the culture. It could be a small percentage influence over time. I believe if you do it and do it well, that your best promotion year two, year three, year 10 is not going to be that nifty brochure, not going to be the pictures of the beautiful scenery that you're going to see and not be this measure of guilt that we say of, look, if you really want to be a good parent, do this. I think it's going to be that parent that you put up on stage that went last year and says to the rest of the parents, look, I'll be honest with you. I've not been a great mom this past year. I've not been a great dad this past year, but I had an encounter with the Lord and I got away with my family and he's doing a work in my heart and life. I think if other moms and dads in the congregation are hearing that and they're hearing it practically, not in a preachy way, but hearing it through that form of testimony and story, I think they're going to be much more likely to resonate with that and respond. Yeah. Well, Jason, thank you for coming and sharing with us uh, some of your expertise in family ministry and how it's impacted uh, your church. Uh, This has been an awesome interview. I really appreciate you coming. Also, I'd like to thank you, our listener today, for listening to our podcast. Uh, We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jason or what we do at TM Baptist Camps, please send us an email at ccinfo at tmbaptist.org. Until next time, I hope that you will look for opportunities to start a conversation about Christ with someone that you know. Thanks for listening to Camp Radio, a podcast production of TN Baptist Camps, the official camps and conference centers of the Tennessee Baptist Mission Board. This and other episodes can be downloaded from tnbaptistcamps.org. The ministries of Carson Springs and Linden Valley are supported through the cooperative program and gifts received through the Golden Offering for Tennessee Missions. 
For more information, visit tnbaptistcamps.org.